What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with the Scale Up Show. I have a special guest today. I have Pedro Goes. He is the founder and CEO of Innovant. Actually won the award in 2022 is the best global virtual platform. On top of it, Y Combinator 2021 sold his first company for 200000 at the age of 17. Talks about resilience at the brink of fail and how he came through the other side after bootstrapping and got funding. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. Really great insights and interesting trends on how to make it happen. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Pedro Goes. Pedro is the founder and CEO of Innovent. He's basically started working his first software job at the age of 14. He was in the Y Combinator class of 2019 and also has major Fortune 2000 companies such as Coca-Cola, Amazon, KPMG. Pedro, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you on. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm uh, I'm excited, man. Uh, your, Your solution sounds really unique and unlike anything that we've talked about on the show before. So I'm excited to dip into this with you. But before we do, let's do a real quick revenue rundown. So there's context for you, the listener, on basically where he's at in terms of his stages journey. So where are you at in terms of your ARR? Yeah, we started in 2019. And since then, we have grown to about 5 million in ARR. So in the last awesome. three, three, three and a half years. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great growth. How large is your team? We have about 130 people. Uh, we have added a lot of uh, people uh, in the last few years during the pandemic uh, to grow quickly. And we have been able to grow that. That was a step up in process in recruiting to get to that stage. All right. That's good. I mean, 130 people is a lot for a $5 million company. What exactly, can you explain your solution in a couple sentences in terms of what it is, what it does, and who it serves? Yeah, we work with... Um, private companies, organizations, government, to deploy them a end-to-end event platform. So they can do broadcasting on the system and they can also uh, provide communication for the whole life cycle of people that are looking to go to meetings, to attend conferences, to get um, town hall meetings and employees uh, for their companies. So everything that's a communication process using video or using in-person meetings, we can do that within events. So our software is very cohesive, like we have Today, over 200 features, and we work with all different types of organizations at scale to deploy those meetings and conferences for them. Excellent, man. Well, that's good. I love it that it blends both the in-person and the virtual. So that's going to be a great competitive advantage to you. So what's your primary revenue go-to-market strategy that that you're leveraging right now? So that's a very good question. You know, like the go-to-market is still so important for any company growth. Um, I've seen companies that actually have two different strategies, same product, but two different go-to-market strategies, and they're actually able to both survive and do really well. Actually, they thrive on different channels. So I think working on that, it really changes from company to company. We have not found our go-to-market strategy to be the first one worked well. Like we had to try a few uh, to actually get to the stage that we are today. But there are a few things that work well for us. I think social media is very, very important, you know, putting videos together, videos that engage with our community, I think they help a lot, you know, investing on SEO and um, paid media marketing uh, services help a lot also. 
uh, working with uh, large government buyers, also through RFPs, they help a lot. Uh, having also an out dedicated outbound team that it's booking calls on LinkedIn and uh, they're calling the customer is also very successful. So we have a few different channels that work for us. Uh, we have some that do not work so well. Uh, for example, we have not been able to get a very successful process by just in-person meetings, uh, just you know, uh, connecting with people on the referral network. Uh, we do get referrals, but uh, they work better if they're coming from another person and not through the outbound process. So it leverages depending on the customer type and where they're located, but you know, there are a few go-to-market strategies that work better or not depending on the company type and the product that you serve. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what I heard you say was content, SEO, and paid media, and then... Um, one of the things you, you haven't had a ton of success, so in-person meeting and referrals, correct? So, okay. Yeah. So especially the outbound, you know, like outbound, if it's inbound, if you got a referral inbound, that works well, but outbound referrals, they were a bit challenging to achieve. So inbound referrals work well. I, I think the direction of, you know, if it's inbound or outbound matters a lot, uh, they're great. We got great referrals inbound, but outbound, they're more challenging. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we could talk about that in the, eventually in the show if you want. That's something that I specialize in. So uh, yeah. are you bootstrapped or funded? Uh, right now we have, so we bootstrapped for almost five years. Uh, so that was, we have built a company from the ground up, you know, for five years and the revenue was low during that time, but it was pretty good. You know, we had a pretty um, good experience on learning about our industry and everything. And then we raised some capital about, three years ago and we raised about four and a half million dollars. So we were able to put that money to get to the stage that we are today. And it was what we call the seed round. Yeah. Excellent. Well, congrats on the seed round. Why did you decide to, to make the shift from bootstrapping to taking a seed round? I think it's like a, a, there is a point in time where you actually know the market and you know where you can actually invest the money, honestly. Um, and not just like, I think I know where I need to put the money. Like there is a, a moment that once you learn and you're really like, I know that if I put money here, here and there, that's going to really make a big difference on our strategy to grow and to deploy. One thing that we did, for example, like we knew was very important for our customers was the ability to provide 24 seven customer support, right? So we wanted them to have that feature and they wanted to get that support. So we hire, we have, you know, raised some money so we can actually deploy this for our clients. Another thing that we heard from clients is that they wanted a built-in studio that was not a third-party solution. They actually wanted us to develop a studio so they can work together within the system and have all the video build, being broadcasted from in event to other companies. So we also built that and then we required a 20 people team for about a year to develop that. So all these resources really made a big difference on where we are today in terms of revenue. Um, so we needed to raise some cash to get to that stage, develop these products and offer these to our customers. Totally makes sense. And it's a very well thought out answer. I mean, most of the time when I ask people that question, they have a, I don't want to say an emotional response to it, but sometimes it is. It's just like either, you know, they want to take on the funding and then they're cool with that, or they, they just want to run their own show and don't want to have to answer to an investor. So, um, so I think that's a great answer on what you gave. So, um, so let's, let's give it a little bit of backdrop. You know, one of the things you mentioned in the pre-show that I absolutely loved is you're like, Hey, yeah, I started working at my first, company at the age of 14. Um, so can you just walk us through your story and kind of how you got to this point? 
you mentioned you bootstrap before you took funding as well. And just give us a brief example of your journey and kind of how you got here. So uh, we all have context in terms of just your journey and what you did to make it happen. Yeah. So uh, when I was young, uh, I think uh, my mother went to, uh, she took me to the library and uh, actually to the bookstore. And she said, like, you can buy as many books as you like, you know, as long as you read them. And I was like, I was actually going to websites at that time, you know, like it was probably um, the 2000s and like end of the 2010s, like uh, around 2008 or 2009. And websites were really popular by then and we could actually access them easily. I just wanted to put one together. So I started reading a lot about websites and how to do that and everything. And I just wanted to to learn some actually reading the books that got me to that stage. So we started working on some ideas because I wanted to I had some problems already, you know, like I wanted to access certain things that I could not have access to or I was not able to to put software together, you know, for my for my friends and colleagues. So I just started working on these ideas with the website skills that I've developed and I actually built a company, you know, to actually access uh, content online very easily. And that company actually went on to we sold that for about two hundred thousand dollars. For me, was a lot of money when I was when I was uh, seventeen. Um, but we built that in the first three years of the company. It was a small company, me and another person only. And what was the company? That, yeah. And after what was that, the I went to college. It was a. Uh, it's, it's a very small company. Uh, it was. Uh, it, it's. It's unknown. I. I sold that to to my partner. Um, so it was just a. Just a small website that I put together, you know, in high school. Oh, cool. Excellent. Well, that's more than most uh, high schoolers do. So congrats yeah. on making that happen. And then, you know, so you got 200K from there at 17. You sold your partner. What? Where did you go from there? So then I applied to college. I got in and I decided to uh, keep working. And uh, about second year in college, I decided to work on a new idea. I know we were trying new things and we actually... I had the idea to apply for event software. So we were talking to people and people said, you know, that's interesting. Like you can actually develop an app for doing check-ins, right? So people have to go to, you know, specific courses. And sometimes there is no system to track them, especially those events or off-sites or something. So we put together an app that basically you scan people. So you go and scan them and you have a list of everyone that checked in or not. So we sold that app for $50. And that was a lot of money. Like, we're like, oh, it's already awesome mm-hmm. that someone's paying for our software. And that starts to pick up. You know, a lot of another organizer from a different course, they decided to department. They said, that's interesting. I'm going to pay $100. And we started doing that. We started developing new features. I uh, started deploying registrations, forms. And then we started to grow the company from there. Uh, we got out of college. And then uh, a couple of years later, we raised some money. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter. Check out other free content resources I have there. And let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. Excellent. So question. So you're in school when you say you started talking, but you started talking to other students or did you start talking to like 
folks in the business community? Because it seems like the the avatar would be massively different with a you know a college student or something like that versus uh, some of yeah. the companies you mentioned were clients. When we actually started, we were talking just to our colleagues, you know, students and um, you know faculty members. So uh, education is uh, it's it's a place where we have a lot of clients yet because I understand this space just from my early experience. It's not our biggest segment today, but it's where we spend a, a little bit of time. And but then at that time, I don't think we scaled the company to be too big. Like we had maybe ten employees after three or four years, you know, at that stage. So. We decided after three or four years that we actually wanted to scale and then we applied to i combinator and then at that stage we start, we were already talking to like business companies and you know like coca-cola so we had a transition so it took us a while to actually branch out of you know the the college the education space and actually go talk to like let's talk to companies like talk to the government uh it took us about four years to get to that stage i think we were comfortable where we were before and then we started like let's grow aggressively and then on year four, we, we started to build on that and, and branch out to different personas. Yeah. Okay. I love that. So what would you say, Pedro, is like your ninja skill that you think you do better than anybody else in the company, in your city, in the world, right? Like, what yeah. would you say is your ninja skill that, that you think enabled you to build a company and start growing really fast? Well, I think that, I think that things that I do well, there are things that I don't do well, but I think one thing that that I am able to do really well, it's uh, resilience. Um, I think the ability to survive difficult situations, you know, I think a lot of people, they have built a core or a system or a company and then the company is going well. And then um, it's, it's a process, right? Like if, you, if you're going to sell to a customer something and it's going to take 12 months and if you die on month 11th, you don't get the deal, right? Like you, all the work that you've done for the past like, 11 months, you don't get like, you don't get like 11% of the work. Like you lose, you know, all the work, like it's all or nothing. So I think a lot of companies, they are not able to complete their journey because they, at certain point in their journey, they die, you know, they, they fail. And that can be for so many different reasons. It can be because of COVID. It can be because they ran out of cash. That can be because, uh, the one of the co-founders quit, right? It can be for many, many reasons. And I think that's one thing that we in event were able to quickly, you know, um, understand the problem and survive through very difficult situations. We have done that many, many, many times in our history and we have always survived. And that allowed us to keep growing while others were like, oh, like this competitor disappeared or this company is no longer here because they were not able to cope with the difficult environment when they were going through that. Love that. So, so what would you say is like, were there any moments in time where you're like, we are a month away, a week away, a couple of days away from shutting down uh, that happened, you know, cause like, I, I think it's important for, for people to hear that because all the time everybody hears the overnight success story. So it's, it's always good to hear the journey as well. Have you had any situations like that? Yeah, we had we had typical like like cash is running out. But I think one one good example was another one. Um, 2016, 17, we were building mobile apps. So we, you know, that strategy of, you know, putting the check in experience together for students, we decided to build more things. So we now had Q&A on the app. We had networking. We had a couple of features for the event itself on the mobile app. And mm -hmm. we started approaching different organizations and they all said to us, I would like to have my own mobile app. I don't want to use InEvent mobile app. I want you to deploy one app with my brand 
so I can own this as my university or my college or, or something, right? So we started doing that for them. And we built like, we had like 100 cl clients at that point, like three, year three or four. And then at a certain point, we got a, uh, a letter from Apple. And not just us, all the competitors also got that same letter saying that they were going to dis not allow anymore for companies like us to deploy mobile apps for all the brands on our store, right? So if in event it's publishing an app on the app store, it needed to be with the in event brand. You know, it could not be for a different company, right? And basically we lost like 99 of our clients overnight because they said, you have one week to comply to that. We're going to delete all the apps. And wow. <laughs> that was a magic day. Like, so we had to communicate, like we lost from those clients, I'll say 70% of them because they were not able to open the store or it didn't make sense for them to open the store or the work that was needed was too, too heavy for them to transition. Um, we were able to migrate a few and we were able to open a few stores with them and, you know, advise on how to do that, that process. But overall, I think we had a huge bump in our business that year. Um, and we started to rely less on mobile apps for our business. So we started to be more diverse. We started to go different ways. We we're able to quickly reduce costs to survive that tough time and create alternative products. So six months later, we already had a, a new framework for check-ins um, using all the technologies, not just mobile apps that allowed us to, to, to keep going. Yeah. Wow. That's a great story in terms of uh, really resiliency. So I love that. So what would you say, like growing the business right now and where you're at, you're at that 5 million mark, you got some funding, but you're not ridiculously overfunded. What's the single biggest challenge that you're running into right now with growing the company? Well, I think there are many challenges. I think it all comes down to also market fit. You know, like I, one thing that Mark Cuban always says on Shark Tank is there are no problems if you have revenue, right? Sales is the, the key to every every single problem that you have. So just sell more. And I think selling more comes to market fit, right? Is the product that you're offering the right price point for the services that you're you're providing for the client? And sometimes they're not aligned, you know? Sometimes you're charging too much. Sometimes you're not deploying or doing what the product wants the customer to do. Sometimes you're not agile enough. Sometimes the customer service is there. If something is missing on your portfolio of services or the price is not aligned. So I think we're still working through that, you know, to get scale, you know, like um, how can we get to the next thousand clients by, you know, testing, making more tests on our pricing, our product offerings, so we can keep growing. So that's the main thing that we are working on, especially coming out of the pandemic because customer requirements change a lot, post pandemic, during the pandemic and uh, pre pandemic and adapting to each of those three you know, steps or three uh, milestones through the journey are very, very important. They're quite unique. You know, they do not correlate to each other. So it's, it's just a process of testing and make the adjustments. So when you say three milestones, can you, can you repeat what those are? Because I don't think I caught them all. <laughs> so yeah. you're saying, yeah, walk, walk us through that real quick. Of course. So pre-pandemic, you know, customers were like, I just care about important things, like important technologies, like approving my travel, approving my budget, or, you know, that that's it. Maybe I have a mobile app, but that's it. And then through the pandemic, like all these technologies about travel dropped, like nobody care about them anymore. They just care about virtual platforms with video experiences. So that's the second stage. And then when we get 
post-pandemic, everybody's like, I want to meet in person again, but now I want to have the option to connect remotely, right? So how can mm -hmm. we merge remote technologies, mobile apps, video with also travel and travel is really expensive. So how can we manage that and book more affordable flights? So now it's a third stage in that competitive space that we need to adapt to and provide new tech for this because the technology that's being required right now was not built before by any company. So it's a new gold rush uh, opportunity to actually go there and build and be the first one to, to be on that space. Yeah. That's awesome. So you got a new blue ocean opportunity with that. Uh, okay. So I love that. So basically it's really interesting because you're, I, and you know, it totally makes sense if you think about it, but your solution is totally tied to all the market changes that have happened up and down over the last three years, you know? So, um, and I've seen it personally, just all the different events and the revenue leaders and heads of marketing that have talked about events and how that's dynamic has massively changed. So I could see why it would put a strain in terms of product creation. What, um, what would you say is that, so that's your, your biggest challenge in terms of keeping up with that, you know, what do you see as like your number one growth strategy for growing the business right now that's going really well? Well, I think one thing that we're doing really well right now is growing our social media presence. Uh, we have just crossed, you know, 10,000 followers, actually are 11,000 now on LinkedIn. And that's something that's pushing a lot of new content on the platform. Uh, that's something that we started developing recently. You know, six months ago, we had less than 4,000 followers. And that that it's applying through the business in different ways. The first way is we're posting content daily. And a lot of customers are engaging with that. The second thing is that because content's really light and it's really easy to understand and digest. So customers actually engage more and they actually remember in the business, the brand more often. And they refer to that. They share their posts and everyone. So that allows us to have reach because one person may be sharing another person sees that. And there's no in events of company that I can trust whenever I have a meeting or I have an event or I have a live stream or broadcast that I need to do. I don't know if in event will have that particular feature that I need. I know they are a big reportable company, so I can go and talk to them and get them my you know, list, my feature set that I like to have, and then have the discussion with them. So social media allowed us to have that reach more easily and get that trust as a brand, as a company. So I think that's one strategy that worked successfully. Uh, it's getting, you know, updating the social media every day and constantly with uh, fun and lightweight content. Yeah. Well, so let's dig into that a little bit. So, that, I mean, that's impressive stats. You said you went from from 6,000 or four weeks ago or six weeks ago, you had 4,000 followers down to 11,000? No, six months ago, we had about 4,000 followers. Oh, yeah. six months so, ago. Okay, okay. I was yeah, like, what I'll say that are you February. doing? I mean, yeah. that's still very good because you, you like doubled in size. <clears throat> so what's like to create good content, you know, what's your formula for that? Like, how do you do that? How do you, what lens do you look through it? What type is it? Because um, everybody's always like, create good content, share yeah. value, right? So how do you get specific? Like, how do you work through that so that you have highly engaging content? So it's actually very straightforward. I go to the competitor page and I see what's, you know, they're doing that's quite popular. So that's one you know idea for content. Just take a look on what's popular right there. Go to your LinkedIn feed and see what the influencers are talking about. So, you know, what are people talking about that's getting a lot of likes? You know, just try to reproduce some of that. Of course, not copying the content, but get the core idea and, you know, put your words together on this and write your own version of this. So work with trends, you know, capture the trends and post about them. Work with great images. So images are fun. You know, people have fun like memes or something. So that's also important. 
But we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not like, um, we're not launching trends. We may launch one trend every year or so uh, based on something that we are doing, but we are posting content every day. And most of this content is already content that's being considered, considered popular by other people in social media. So we're just reproducing that with our own uh, vision of this, with our own taste, with our own um, take on this. And that works really well usually. Yeah. Okay, love that. And what kind of team do you have supporting that function? Uh, we are you doing it all? Team of, uh, three people, yeah. Uh, one, okay. um, one manager and two analysts on that function, yeah. Okay, excellent. So <clears throat> are, you, are you using any other platforms besides LinkedIn at all or no? We use Twitter, YouTube also converts well, uh, and also TikTok. TikTok is great. So TikTok, it's something that we do not understand yet. I have to say that. Um, it's, <laughs> it's just something that we post some content and we, 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 today we have no idea if something's going to work or not. So we're just testing right now because there is content that we post and it gets, you know, um, hundred thousand views. And there are other content that we think that's going to work really well. That doesn't get any views. Uh, the format, the type, like it's something that we are still working through. Uh, but it's, it's, um, it's very different from the other social media networks because it just gets the viral effect is so stronger than other networks, I would say. So it's quite interesting to, to approach and study them. Excellent, man. Well, well, that's great um, that you have. And it sounds like you have kind of a whole social media multi-purposing machine because you could definitely blow it up if you do that. And each platform has got its own unique nuances. Um, <clears throat> so kind of moving forward, we're, we're just, we're getting kind of close on time. And so I want to wrap things up, but I guess like from your perspective, you know, where do you see the future of tech going over the next three to five years? And, you know, we'd love to just hear your perspective on that and, and where you think things are heading. Yeah. I think like for me, tech is going to be the power of became, become miniature. So like the, com the, the power to compact things and to be really small, delivering the same uh, power or the same functionality, right? I think that's quite unique in the industry to benefit from that. So we're seeing the gas prices especially are increasing and the same thing apply for travel and airplanes and everything. Uh, so the cost for travel is getting higher and then you have to compact and get the same things that you need on a you know lightweight or a smaller space. And today with technology, you can actually get this more easily. You know, like of course that we talk about smartphones, they're being so easily affordable and everything, but you do not work with them most of the time. You need computers, you need, you know, monitors and everything. And there are today technologies that are actually working on this to make it easy. Like routers that are so small, they can fit in a pocket. Monitors that you can take, you know, you can pack them and take them on your bag. Uh, web cameras or 4K videos. I don't have one now, but I usually carry also a 4K camera that's also very compact. So there's so, so many different technologies that allow you to be more mobile and that same thing applies for events. So now you can go and put a small box together and can stream a 4K event, you know, with just the power of one computer that fits inside a small box. So I think that's really interesting where technology is going, you know, that allows this power to be easily accessible and software to support all of that. So I'm really into that space and be able to get mobile on the go more easily. Yeah. Love that, man. All right. So we are up on time. Where can people find you? Where can they find out more about InEvent? And then we'll wrap things up. 
Yeah, if you want to reach out, uh, inevent.com, it's our website, like intelligence for events or inside events. So en.events, uh, inevent.com. And you're also going to be able to find me on LinkedIn, Pedro Goes, uh, in event, and you're going to be able to follow me on LinkedIn. I'll be happy to connect to Yeah. Excellent, man. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show. It looks like you have some really bright things happening for you and your organization. So happy you powered through all those those points or those drops that you had kind of in the, the that natural entrepreneurial life cycle. And uh, look forward to seeing you all on the next episode. Thanks for being on, Pedro. Of course. Thank you, Ryan. It was great questions. Thanks so much. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.